say this is a uh, interview with Juan Rodriguez on April 5th. No worries if you uh, get nervous or anything like that. I also get nervous. <laughs> I do, in fact, get nervous before these conversations sometimes, but I always feel much more at ease after we start talking. But that's beside the point. This episode is part one of a two-part series about the hope and resilience I have seen in 4th Street Clinic patients during my time in Salt Lake City. Because the 4th Street Clinic is immensely supportive of me and my fellowship, I am joined in this conversation by James, a 4th Street staff member who has been kind enough to help facilitate the interview and ask questions. In this episode of Curbside Manor, I speak with Juan, who is a patient at the 4th Street Clinic in Salt Lake City, Utah. Two weeks into a detox program, he is on the cusp of recovering from his addictions. Juan is beginning to think about a future without substances and with stable housing. He is drawn to this ideal of setting a good example for his daughter. We discuss his past, of course, but we also discuss the unique sense of belonging he feels to the Salt Lake City homeless community, as compared to other cities. And we discuss the unrelenting care that the 4th Street Clinic has provided him over the past five years for both his physical and his behavioral health issues. Juan's gratitude is contagious. As he says, he's just chasing the light at the end of the tunnel now. How long have you been out in Utah for? I've been on Utah for now five years since 2015. Okay, and how did you end up out here? Well, I was trying to move my daughter over here to give her a better opportunity instead mm -hmm. of just mining and drilling. Mm -hmm. I spent like 20 years in Oak, Nevada. It's, it's a mining and drilling town, but I was like, you know what? Salt Lake is only three and a half hours away and I want to give my daughter more opportunity. Maybe she wants to be a nurse, a doctor or something. Mm -hmm. And I moved here and I noticed that in the summer of at the end of 2015, it was summer, so my family said, well, why don't you move your daughter back to Nevada so that she could hang out with us and her cousin and stuff like that. And I noticed that when I did, I said, wait a minute, I only have a dog to take care of. I could go smoke weed, I could go party, you know? No one's gotta tell me what to do or nothing like that. And I noticed that my life started going downhill from that, from there. It started going downhill. I got into some uh, heavy drug use. And I, of course, I would show up to work the next day I would try to I try to juggle work, church, and uh, a dog sitter, you know. But a dog is, is less taken care of than a child, you know. Mm -hmm. Send him to the dog shelter; he's good, you know. Pay the money and stuff like that. Totally. And I noticed that my demons started getting more to my head. I started chasing that dragon a little more, mm -hmm. and I said, you know what? Why Why am I doing this? So what it was when I was growing up, I used to bad talk my parents a lot. Mm -hmm. I used to bad talk my mom a lot. May she rest in peace. Um, and it, it, it was like a band-aid. It was a band-aid that, 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 that I put over my, my heart using methamphetamines or, or cocaine or, or a weed or spice, all that, all that negative stuff. And as years went by, I noticed it made a change in my head. I started getting antisocial, mm -hmm. and I wasn't so sociable. But when I would go to church, I would try to go to church every Sunday, I would feel that positive vibe, and I was like, you know what? I, I like this. I like this. But then Monday through Friday... I would get paid every day, so I would go back to using drugs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I met a lot of people on the streets 
And my question was, why are all these young people homeless on the streets? Where's their mom and dad? These, these, these women and children, they're only 20, 25, 28 years old. And the response was like, I have no mom. I have no dad. No one cares about me. And I was like, wait a minute. I have my family that cares about me, and I'm over here using and abusing drugs while I could be at home with my mom and dad, with my with my daughter. But just a drug, when, when, when meth or heroin, heroin gets a hold of you, it, it, it's a tough cycle to let go of because it's it's like it's like drinking soda or eating candy. You know, you're so used to it, you don't want to let go of it. And I just think that uh, right now I'm attending a uh, BOA detox center so I could get my life back and join a program so I could get back on my on my feet and everything like that. Yeah. But um, there, there's a lot of people out here in this city that, that, that do need help. Yeah. And I used to tell people, you know what? Salt Lake is a place that has the help. I've just been a dumb shit, you know, because nothing's wrong, nothing's <laughs> wrong with me. You know, I just like to party and stuff like that. But now I'm starting to realize that all the heavy drug use since the age of 17 till now has made, a, uh, has, has made something change in my mind where... I have like all this energy like right now and then I'll get antisocial. Okay. And that has to do with uh I don't know with the drugs, just the drugs they, they shut your mind down. They, they they prevent you from getting to know people and stuff like that. And I, I don't believe nothing bad has ever happened to my life and if it does it's probably my fault. You know, that's the way we have to see things, you know, we uh that's the way I see things. I don't like I don't like to blame people or, or get into negative negative uh negative thoughts or blame it's his fault her fault none of that because you know i'm not perfect what's amazing to me is how juan refuses to point fingers and assign blame for his continuous struggles through addiction and homelessness in the field of psychology there's a defined dichotomy between having an internal and external locus of control People with an internal locus have a sense of agency over their experiences, while people with an external locus often attribute their fate to external circumstances and people. I am somewhat surprised to see that Juan does not feel resentment towards the family and community members who failed to steer him on the quote-unquote right path as a teenager and young adult. So many of the people experiencing homelessness who I've spoken with this year have described having little or no support in their youth from their parents, grandparents, teachers, or mentors. Many of them were seemingly steered towards crime, substance use, or homelessness by a lack of a community and a sense of belonging. However, Perhaps it is reclaiming this internal locus of control that is a necessary step towards recovery and redefining oneself following addiction or homelessness. And let me just go back a little bit to uh, why I was using drugs and how I've seen the, the, the homeless people here in, in, in Salt Lake City. And it just, it just, it just shocked me, you know, because I was like, if it's like this bad, can you imagine how Los Angeles my home state is how really bad it is over there. Right. I imagine over there people are getting stabbed and killed left and right over five dollars. You know, over here people are just getting robbed and, and done dirty. But in a bigger city, they're getting shot and killed for a dollar for a fix. Mm-hmm. So I've been very lucky and blessed that I'm here in, in a solid city where it's it's not there's violence here, but it's not too crazy like Seattle, New York, Chicago, 
you know, places like that, Las Vegas and stuff like that. What do you think, like, is uh, distinct about being homeless in Salt Lake City? Like, what has your experience been that you think it would have been different in other places? Well, I think that because a bigger city, you could get away with violence. Um, I'm not saying you can't get away with violence here in Salt Lake City, but people here are more, uh, they, they don't want to go to the extreme unless they really have to. But people here, they're, they're carrying people, you know? Sure, they're, they're, they're out there doing drugs and, and, and they're out there burning each other, but nobody here really wants to kill each other, you know? And over in like the city I'm from, Los Angeles, it, 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 it's, it, it's in them. It, 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 it's, uh, they, they could care less, you know? He burned me for 20 bucks, now I'm gonna shoot them. They will not think about it, or Chicago or LA, they will not think about it. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, I've been here five years and, and people have burned me and stole my stuff, but I do not have it in me to go hurt them. I'll help, I'll keep on helping them out. Why, I don't know. I'll get paid and I'll be hey bro, how you doing? Do you want some pizza? Do you want some drugs? Do you want some, you know, what do you want man, here, here you go. But to, to this, this uh, city has humbled me a lot. It has humbled me to care about people, to, to ask them what their needs are. And if, and if they don't care about me, hey, get it. I don't even know you, do. What do you mean? I was like, well, do you want, do you want you hungry, man? Do you need, what do you need? Let me help you out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you crazy, man. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, call me crazy, but I just want to help you out because, you know, uh, I'm, I used to tell myself I was a piece of work. Mm -hmm. I don't deserve nothing I get in life and stuff like that or, or stuff like that. But I would just want to help out people. Yeah. But now I got to help out myself because I'm 35 years young and I'm not going to be 35 forever. You know, all the pretty single ladies out there, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I just want to make a change in some per one person's life if I can. Yeah. And my most important person is my daughter. That's I want to make a change in, in, in her in her life. That's wonderful. That if, if, I, if I die, let's say tomorrow or something, dad was there for me. My, or, or people on the streets too, you know. But someone once told me in Salt Lake City, your kindness here is never going to be appreciated. And I started thinking about that. But you know what? Maybe, maybe they're right, you know, but it feels good inside, you know, to, to help out people and stuff like that. But the only person that I do have to worry about and make a change is my daughter. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm here in Salt Lake City, if I'm able to help out somebody, I will help them out. Yeah. But to answer your question, why the violence is different here in the bigger cities, bigger cities, it, it, it's, it's easier to get away from crime and no one really cares over there because they, they don't really know the person. Mm -hmm. They just, just another ra random junkie on the street. Mm -hmm. And here in Salt Lake City, we see each other every day. Yeah. We're, we see each other, we're gonna see each other next day. Or, or, or it's just, it's just not, it's not, it's not, a, we know it's not a right thing to hurt somebody. You know, we'll fight, you know, but we'll get along the next day. Just like when I grew up in uh, Elko, Nevada, me, me and my native brothers, we, we would know when to get along, we would know when to beat each other up. Out of quinceañeras, when we're inside, we have to respect each other, but when we're outside, then we can get on. <laughs> you know, but we knew that that they have Mexican cousins, we knew that we have native cousins, so we just had to get along and stuff like that, or American cousins, by, by either or, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting point that like maybe because it's a smaller community here, you feel like maybe there's more of a sense of community or closeness yep. uh, and empathy between people. Because it's all we have, we, this is all yeah. we have, just us in the streets. Yeah.
How did you end up getting into the detox program? Well, my sister, okay. my sister for the past, I think the past five years, she's been telling me, you need to get in some type of detox. Mm -hmm. If you don't get in some type of detox, you're gonna lose your family. And, I, and that, just clicked, that just clicked something in my head when she said, you're gonna lose your family. And I've been trying to, I've been trying to go to the detox, and this is my second time. But this time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to my guns. And it, it's just, it's just a big blessing, you yeah. know. It's some something up there, or something in this universe wants me to keep on living. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's you know? a really great, great thing to feel. How long have you been coming to Fourth Street Clinic for? I've been coming to Fourth Street Clinic since 2015. Okay, wow. I suffer from uh, ADHD and bipolar, and I have gout. And I was diagnosed at the, at the age of 17 with gout. And if, if you guys know what gout is, it's a painful, it's a painful, oh man, it's like worse than getting saw, stabbed, or jumped. And if you don't take care of it, it'll cripple a person. As you can see, my joint is bigger than that joint. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it just swells up and it just cripples your joints where you can't walk and everything. And I've been coming here since 2015. I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of faces, same old faces, but a lot of new faces as well. Mm -hmm. And... And I just, I just asked myself, you know, if I could do it, they could do it. But addiction is a big thing, and it gets a hold of people, and it grabs onto them, you know. Because when, when I was chasing that dragon, I don't want nothing to do with nobody else. I just wanted, to, I just wanted that high. I just wanted that buzz. I wanted that that high of marijuana, the high of meth. And and slowly but surely, I'm overcoming it. That's great. Yeah. But five years to answer your question, it's been five years since I've been coming to the clinic. Clinic. Yeah. Do you think that your addiction, um, either for you or for people that you know who also come to Fourth Street Clinic, that's like one of the biggest challenges to keep keep on top of your health care? Like what makes it hard to stay on top of your gout, to stay on top of your uh, mental health issues and things like that? Because at the end, of, at the end when, when all the money is spent, when all the joys are gone, we're the ones that are going to be suffering with the gout. I'm the one that's suffering with the gout. I'm the one that's suffering with with the, the emotional or the antisocial, and and it's just in the past I would get better so I could go get high again, but then one of uh one of uh, my church uh, called one of my church sisters told me God didn't put you back up so you could go do it again, yeah. mm -hmm. you know so that clicked in a little little bit but it did click in because now I'm here and I've been sober for two weeks now. Congratulations. And, and no, it don't and don't even congratulate me. I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. You know, yeah. drugs are not drugs are for 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 people for drugs are not meant for us. Mm -hmm. But you have to celebrate the things that you can control now. Yeah. I do. I do have to celebrate the things I I can control the urge. Mm -hmm. I think back and I tell myself I wasted 18 years of my life on doing drugs. What was I thinking? I mean, I wasn't thinking. I was just being an immature, selfish person thinking of my high but there's a, there's a light at the tunnel and, and I'm gonna and I'm chasing that light yeah what have been some of your favorite things about the fourth street clinic and like what keeps you coming back here to get the health care that you need the, the way that they, they welcome me they, they're always positive they never they never look down at me like oh here he is again he's all gacked out he's all geeked look at him no it's always been come on in would you like a glass of water uh, how may I help you? How have you been? Are you taking care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Just always, they've always been positive. Mm -hmm. They've never ne been negative That's whatsoever. Great. And I came here pretty rough. Last time I came here, my hair was all long like a caveman. And I, I just, I, I, and, and Sandra, one of the, one of the persons there said, you look really great. You look great. And that's good. And that made me feel good about myself. 
So it makes me now, now I want to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to go lift some weights. And it's only fair because now I got to thank my heart. I got to thank my lungs. Hey, thank you, heart, for not having a heart attack on me. Hey, thank you, lungs, for not freaking giving out on me while I'm running from the cops or, or, or just my heart is beating really fast. So that's the thing that I want to do. I want to thank my, my, my body, my soul, my, my heart, my lungs, my brain, you know, for still being able to think right after all the drugs I've done. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's gratitude is a powerful thing, and I think it's good to realize that, you know, being grateful for all the things that you do have, even when you feel like you don't have so many other things. Uh, right. Do you feel like you're um, better able to, you know, stay on top of your gout and manage your mental health issues while in detox uh, than when you were on the street? Oh, yeah, yeah. way better. Mm-hmm. Because, because um, when I'm on the streets, I'm just thinking about the high thinking about uh, just just getting high like the first time I did and in detox when when you're sober you feel your, your, your joints hurting you know but here here's a a true thing that happened to me one time I couldn't even walk and I told I told my buddy I was like look I have a spice joint and you have some meth I was like watch this we're gonna smoke the spice joint and we're gonna smoke that puddle and I guarantee I'm gonna be able to walk and sure enough I smoked the spice joint smoked the meth well what it was is I killed all my nutrition I killed all the nutrition for the, from the gout. And I was able to walk. I was like, dude, look. And I was like, look, my family's probably set tripping, but look, I'm able to walk. Yeah. But that's what drugs, drugs do. They kill all the nutrition in, in your joints. So now the, the bad the bad in my gout wasn't able to affect me anymore because there's drugs in my system. There's poison in there. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way That's not the way to do it. The, way, the reason I was going for so many days is because I wasn't taking my pills and I was uh, taking a lot of drugs. Although I haven't found anything to back Juan's theory that using drugs killed the nutrition in his joints, scientific research has linked gout to regular alcohol consumption. Gout is an extreme form of arthritis caused by a buildup of uric acid in the body. Excess uric acid will form into crystals in kidneys and joints, which is probably as painful as it sounds. When alcohol is metabolized, especially beer, it releases uric acid into the bloodstream, which can, with excessive use, lead to the onset of gout, as well as cause additional flare-ups like the one that Juan described. Gout has not yet been linked to illicit drug use. However, Juan's episode of using meth and relieving the pain of his gout is a poignant example of some of the self-medication that is common among people who use illicit drugs in the homeless population. Before I was coming to 4th Street, I was living in Elko, Nevada, yeah. and before my insurance would kick in because of my addiction, I would lose jobs left to right, I would have to cough up the money out of my pocket, $170, $160 to buy my gout medicine. So I, I was struggling bad, but my family always sat, like I said, my family always had my back. And before the 4th Street Clinic, it was money out of my pocket. And, and now, when I get up on my feet, I want to go ahead and, and donate. Like I told them, hey, when I get on my feet, I, I want to either donate some time, or I want to give five, uh, one or two percent of my paycheck back to the clinic because those medications are expensive. I used to tell myself, oh, they got the money machines, but hey, that's their money, not my money. You know, that's their money. This, this is their helping me out, and it's costing a lot of money. So whatever the government is doing, I, I'm not going to talk bad about the government because they're, they're, they're the reason we're alive. Two weeks clean. Awesome. Yep. That's incredible. What are your next steps now? 
my next step is I'm trying to get into Epic or into a, a program called Core. And that way uh, I could go back to some type of night, night classes. I was told at their uh, workforce services that I do qualify for them to help me with my education still, which I do want to continue my education. I want to get sober, I want to go do this program, and I want to get a diploma so my daughter could say, Dad, you got it, you got a diploma. So that way she doesn't have a reason to tell me I don't need a diploma. I'm like, Daddy got it, so do you. So my education, after sobriety, comes my education. I believe as a society, one thing we could do is just stop and ask somebody, how can we help them? Uh, offering them, a, offering them a, a bottle of water or, or, or just asking them, hey, how can I help you? Are you doing okay? Do you need some water? Do you need medical attention? Just communicating with people on the streets because when, we're on the, when I was on the street, I felt like I felt like I had nobody, but I had everybody at the same time because everybody knows me. And I'm the type of person I would talk to everybody, you know. And I was like, wait a minute, I got the shelter that has my back. I got the uh, I got the forestry clinic that has my back. Then why am I here? To keep, still keep on using drugs, you know. But as a society, I think that we just have to sit back and 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 realize why is that person using those drugs? What in his life was that person molested? Was that person beat up a lot when they're little? Why is that person? in the situation and that's what I started doing I started asking people hey why, how come you're not in college man you're, this is Utah State this is where the number we're the number fourth or fifth uh, state in the country with our education levels are high why aren't you out there I don't have family support I don't have my mom doesn't have my back my dad kicked me out they don't want anything to do with me so just just that communication just that support would help out a lot of, a lot of kids and I know we're going through a pandemic and we just have to uh, we just have to stay strong and help out each other and remember that little words like hello good morning how are you will make a big difference in another person's life and sometimes put other people's feelings before our feelings and your feelings will feel a lot better I, I tell this to all the people out there that do have money and that do have wealth there's people on the streets that one daughter that one dollar, it may be the world to him. So if you, you, you or one, one hot dog or a hamburger, it is the world to him, you know, because they have nothing on the streets, they have nothing out there. We'll try to walk in someone's shoes before you judge people. That's my whole, my, my topic. Try to, try to walk in someone's shoes if you can. Some people cannot even walk another first, one person's footsteps because it'd be, it would be way too much. Yeah. You know, crossing one block to another block, it would be, it would be way too much. Mm -hmm. But I just wanna say, I thank those people out there and especially in Salt Lake City, that have taken the time to donate, to donate their their money, donate their their food, and give giving uh, people on the on the streets another chance to to keep their head up and live forward yeah. to 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 another beautiful day. And that's all I have to say, guys. Thank you. Elbows or you know knuckles because we can't even shake each other's hand. Thank you to Juan and the entire staff at the 4th Street Clinic. This is Curbside Manor.